What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What made me first suspect Joe was that he knew more than any innocent person should have known. I suspected Irene the moment I heard the fireman's testimony. You have the unimportant fact. I suspected, I suspected Elaine. the postman. I suspected. I suspected. Listen to radio's newest, most interesting and thrilling program, Suspicion. And now, suspicion. Somewhere in the drama about to be presented is a seemingly unimportant fact. A hidden clue that first casts suspicion on the ultimate culprit. Listen regularly to this thrilling series. Test your powers of observation and deduction. And find the hidden clue. It may be a single line, a sound, perhaps a complete scene. All names and characters depicted in this story are fictitious. Any resemblance to persons living or dead is entirely coincidental. In the story we presented last time... Death at the Throttle. Do you recall these facts? There were three people on the Nighthawk who had possible reason to kill Albert Morgan. But when Richard Corson was questioned by railroad conductor Hawley, he stated that instead of intending to murder Morgan, he had planned suicide. And when Corson showed his suicide letter to Hawley... You rode it on the train, Mr. Corson? Yes. Between half past nine and ten o'clock? <laughs> no, I'm afraid I can't use the letter as an alibi, Holly. The handwriting is not at all shaky. The handwriting is not at all shaky, ladies and gentlemen, was the hidden clue. Had Richard Corson written the letter while on the train, his writing would have been a little shaky due to the vibration of the train. Now we present The Passing of Red McCall. Shortly before noon on the 15th of March, Tim O'Leary and his daughter Colleen enter the office of the Far North Trading Post at Blair's Crossing, a small village in the Yukon Territory. You sent for us, did you, Red? Yeah. There's something I want to talk over with you, Tim. Good morning, Miss Colleen. Good morning. Just uh, sit down and make yourself at the home. All right. Have a cigar, Tim. All right, thank you. 
And what might you be wanting the job out, Red? Oh, nothing very important. Simply want you to do a favor for me. Why, please, please, I'd be to help you. Thanks, old man. You remember Joe Baldston, don't you? I sure do. The holding his trial at Kentsville the day after tomorrow. I'd like you to go there with me. Well, sure, I'm thinking it's a simple favor you're after asking, Red. Well, uh, that isn't exactly all, Tim. Huh? Tim, I want you to identify testified that you saw Joe Baldston break into my store. Oh, but you didn't see anything of the kind, Dad. Now, see here. You do as well. right, Red. Sure, I did see someone break in here, but I was in no fit condition to be recognizing anyone. But you know it was Joe, don't you? Well, maybe it was, and then again, maybe it wasn't. But if you must know the truth, Red, it looked to me as if two men were breaking into two stores. I had a bit of a celebration that night, as you may recall. I see. And you refuse to testify as I want you to. Sure, and you weren't really thinking I'd be perjuring myself. Come along, Cardine. Tim, you don't do as I've... Asked. You may be a big man here in Blazer's Crossing, Red McCaw, but you ain't big enough to buy me. Just a moment, Tim. Remember that I own this town. Lock, stock, and barrel. I can make things tough for you. Plenty tough. The devil, you say. And to show you that I mean business, try this. Dad, you shouldn't have hit him. Well, maybe I shouldn't have, Carleen. But the devil just got behind me right arm and pushed. Come on, Christmas. Let's be going. Come on, Christmas. Carleen! Carleen, Chad! Is me supper ready? Hurry up, Dad! What's the news? Oh, it'll keep until I put the dog away. Oh, tell me now, Dad, please. Was oh, he... Sure is good news, Colleen. After listening to what Red McCaw had to say, the judge dismissed Joe Boston. Oh, really? What else could he have done? It was only Red McCaw's word again, Joe's, and what I had to say. Oh, Dad, you promised me you'd stay away from the trial. Bejar, and I did promise you that, Colleen. But, but when I talked to Joe Boston and that he might go to jail for a crime he didn't commit, I, I just couldn't help myself, child. Oh, Dad, you're a liar through and through, and I love you for it. <laughs> do you know? What do we do about Red McCaw? We owe him a lot of money. Oh, there's nothing to be worrying about. I stopped in and saw Mr. Blaine. You remember him? Yes. And he said he'd fix it up for it. Oh. So let's go in and eat supper now, Colleen. There's nothing to worry about. And how did Joe take it, Dad? That's the one thing I didn't like, Colleen. He's not the same man. Oh. Being dismissed for lack of evidence is bad. There's some folks who say he's guilty. That's a sorry day, Colleen. When a dirty crook like Red McCaw becomes a powerful man, it will be best for Joe to leave this part of the Yukon. Well, but if he does that, everyone will think he's guilty. Aye, that's true enough, Colleen, but, well, it, there's no way you can... Why do you knock at Tim O'Leary's door? Come in and welcome. Hello? Red McCaw, get out of me home Leave before I... Dad, no. Keep your seat, Tim. I have a note for you. I, Tim O'Leary, do owe Walter McCaw the sum of $1,000 for articles and foods purchased from the Far North Trading Post. I promise to pay the above sum to the said Walter McCaw on or before January 15th. Well, 62 days late. Can you pay it? Sure, and you know I can't till me further, sold. I don't know anything of the kind, O'Leary. But unless you pay that bill by noon tomorrow, I'll foreclose. And will you now? Mr. Blaine will see you. He's already it? tried to fix this note up for him. Huh? Yes. Saw him a couple of hours ago. And it's no dice. You might like to know that he owes me several thousands. Remember, noon tomorrow or else. Good night. 
Mr. Dr. Dolan's come. Oh. I'll take care of him. Dad, where are you going? That McCaw's going to foreclose on me, is he? I've got a little plan that'll ruin him for fair. Don't wait up for me, Carly. McCoy, eh? Well, uh, tell me about it. What I'm getting dressed. When did it happen? A couple of hours after he got back from seeing Tim O'Leary. Eleven o'clock, according to Red's watch. Go on. Well, Corporal, me and Red was in his cabin playing checkers. We heard footsteps outside, then a revolver was poked in through the window. Two shots was fired. Yeah? The first one hit Red in the stomach, the second got him plumb between the eyes. Eleven o'clock, eh? Took you a long time to get here, eh? Yeah, but I, I didn't leave right away. I went outside and followed the killer's tracks. Where'd they lead? Once around the cabin, then to the mail trail into Blair's Crossing. Did you tell anyone what happened? Nope. Not a word, Corporal. Good. That gives me something to work on. Let's get going. And when we reach Blair's Crossing, see that you keep your mouth shut. I want to have a look inside first. Then we'll go to the village. Right, old Corporal. Uh, here's the key. I locked the door when I left. Good. Open up. All right. Where's the lamp? I'll light it. Hey, you want me to wait outside? No, uh, just uh, don't touch anything yet. Uh-huh. The shots came through that window, eh? Yeah, that's right. I see. Well, have a look at the glass for fingerprints. Although the killer probably wore gloves. I, I didn't notice. It happened so fast, Corporal. He fell against the checkerboard, eh? Yeah, yeah. And then he slipped down to the floor. Mm-hmm. How far away is uh, Tim O'Leary's cabin? Oh, well, a couple of miles down the trail. It's close on to eight miles out of town. I see. Joe Bolston's? Well, his place is three miles the other side of town. But I don't know whether he came back after the trial this morning. When I saw him headed this way, I think there are most two most likely suspects, Ed. I'll bring Tim O'Leary here. You get hold of Joe. to the whole plaguey lot of them, Carleen. My plan was the easiest thing on earth. And if Scotty and Mulligan and McPherson and the others had an ounce of spunk, we'd have beaten Red McCarr. Oh, now don't take on so, Dad. What if he does foreclose? He can't take everything we have. We can go to another part of the Yukon. Yes, you're in your right, George. But I was meaning for us to go outside this year to Vancouver, Seattle, maybe even San Francisco. Corporal Mason of the Mounted Police! Dad, you didn't... Quiet, Carleen. Remember, I've been here all evening. Easy, Dad. Easy. I'm coming. Tim O'Leary? Sure, Corporal. Tim O'Leary's my name, and a fine name it is. You're under arrest on suspicion of murder, O'Leary. And anything you say may be used against you. And would you mind telling me why I... Red McCall was murdered. Come along. You too, miss. Seventeenth time, Corporal, I'm telling you, I was in me cabin all evening. Of course he was, Corporal Mason. McCall saw you tonight, didn't he? Sure, and I've told you that too, seventeen times. They saw you leave your cabin after him. I suppose the man came to life again just to tell you that, eh? Acting smart isn't going to help you, O'Leary. Sure, and if anyone was smart, you'd be the last person to see it through, sir. Well, Ed, 
His cabin was empty, Corporal. I guess Joe must have cleared out, but he hadn't been gone long. The ashes in his stove were still warm. I see. Well, there are a few things I want you to identify before we set out for him. Why, certainly. This was his watch, eh? Yeah. Say, the first bullet must have hit it. Obviously. It stopped at 11.45. And you identify this as his wallet? Sure. And you should find a promissory note in it. O'Leary's note. I looked for that, Ed, and it's missing. It's missing? What did you do with it, Ed? Huh? Ed, you're the... Put up your hand. All of you. Quick. And my hunch was right. You killed Red McCaw. You're pretty smart for a Mountie, but you better keep your hands away from your gun. You too, O'Leary. You come here. Take your hands off me. Shut up. Now get this straight. I'm taking Colleen with me. I'll turn her loose maybe when I get 50 miles away. But if you follow me, I'll... Jim, are you all right? (laughs) Sure, and the bullet missed me by yards, it did. Corporal, I, I know it ain't nice to kick a man when his back's turned, but you know, the devil just got behind me foot and pushed. The following day, Corporal Mason again entered Tim O'Leary's cabin. After learning that Ed Welch had murdered Red McCaw in a fit of jealousy, Tim asked... So, Corporal, I, I know I shouldn't have lied about being here all evening, but well, I... You were can't... lucky it turned out the way it did, Tim, but I still can't see why Ed Welch made that mistake. I'd have believed his version of Red McCaw's death if it hadn't been for the... Ladies that... and gentlemen, did you discover the hidden clue that caused Corporal Mason to suspect Ed Welch? Write in and tell us the hidden clue you found. And to check your powers of observation and deduction, listen for the correct hidden clue in this story the next time we present... Suspicion! Suspicion!